Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of Breaking Down the Doors. I'm Vanderbilt beat reporter Adam Sparks, along with Mike Oregon, the Vandy beat writer of years past. There might be a remedy for what ails frustrated Vanderbilt football fans, and that's basketball season. Jerry Stackhouse is nearing his second season coaching the Commodores, and on Monday night there was some good news as Kansas transfer Isaac McBride got a waiver for immediate eligibility to play for Vanderbilt this season. We'll get to that a little later. And so hoops will be our topic in this episode. Mike, when you were the Vandy beat writer years ago, how did fans usually approach the basketball season compared to football? In other words, was was that sort of a pick-me-up in November, December after they had in, endured football? Because that's kind of what it feels like right now. Oh, absolutely. In, in my years, I was closer to some of the great success Vanderbilt had had uh, in winning the SEC, uh, in winning the NIT, in going to the NCAA four or five times out of about eight or nine years. So they were still considered – It was Vanderbilt was still considered a, a basketball school. I don't believe it's considered a basketball school anymore. But football was – it was in its greatest uh, valley. And so the shine wore off football by, by about week four or five – uh, I covered Vanderbilt, for instance, for 10 years and did not go to one bowl game. Came close a couple of times, two five-win seasons, and that was it. So this was the time of the year where, Adam, I don't know how the guys are now, and I don't know how much you're able to get to them because of uh, COVID, but it was miserable going to that locker room every day before practice, uh, talking to them after practice in football because – they knew that the, the you know it was, the season was set in stone. Nothing was going to happen for the rest of the year. Their their minds were elsewhere for sure. Yeah, and you know it's an interesting dynamic whenever you think of football to basketball because those players have nothing to do with each other really, aside from knowing each other or whatever. But the fan base usually, you know, most fans are fans of football and basketball. And in Vanderbilt's case, a lot of them are also baseball fans. Albeit, I think there are some quite a number of baseball fans that don't follow the other programs quite as much. But Which know, is you, unique for us, uh, for any school, especially an SEC school. Well, yeah, and you said a minute ago uh, Vanderbilt's no longer a basketball school. And obviously this is, what, three bad years in a row. Really, I guess it's four bad years in a row. Uh, Bryce Drew went to, uh, with Kevin Stallings' players, essentially, he went to an NCAA tournament year that first year. Um and uh, what got an eight seed, if I remember right. Things started to go downhill. He was 0-18 in his last season in the SEC at a 20-game losing streak. And so if you look at like the last, let's say, three years, Vandy has struggled mightily. You know, I don't – does that does that take away the basketball school moniker? I guess what I'm asking is how long do you have to be really bad in a sport to no longer be known as a school of that sport? Well – I actually think that Vanderbilt lost its uh, identity as a, as a basketball school under Kevin Stallings. Uh, just the monotonous year after year of mediocrity, sniffing the NCAA tournament every once in a while, getting in every once in a while, getting to what one sweet 16 when they should have been better than that even that year, with, looking back on all the number of NBA players they had on that team. So I think they kind of lost their identity then because that was at the same time that football finally came around. <clears throat> James Franklin built a little bit of a football program, not that they became or did a good job of building a good, good football program, not that they Vanderbilt became a football school, but 
it even took away more from the basketball moniker because it was at least there was attention to football and football was kind of taking your mind off basketball there for a little stretch. So I, th- I think it's been a long time since Vanderbilt was a basketball school. Yeah. Kevin, Kevin Stallings, when he was coach, he definitely had a, you know, sort of the tone was underachieving, I think. Yeah. Uh, oh, definitely. Had good players, usually was pretty good in the regular season, relatively speaking, certainly compared to how things have gone the last few years. But, uh, you know, even when I took over covering the program in 2014, you look at those first couple of years and they had what, Damian Jones and Wade Baldwin uh, as a couple of NBA guys. They had Riley LaChance, Matthew Fisher Davis. Those were thousand point scores. They had Luke Cornett, who's in the NBA now. Y- you know, you had a lot of talent on those teams and would kind of barely make the, the NCAA tournament, certainly wouldn't make a run in the tournament. And things just kind of started to dwindle from there. I don't know if people, you know, wish that Kevin Stallings had been here longer. I don't think there was many in that camp because they thought Bryce Drew would turn things around. But uh, we've uh, we've talked in the past a whole lot about what went wrong with the signing the five star players and then having Darius Garland lost, and that that kind of led to the demise of uh, Bryce Drew. But we won't go back to those bad memories. Uh, we want to talk about this season and Jerry Stackhouse took over last year, took over a team that had gone at 0-18 in the SEC. He went 3-15 and in the SEC last season, 11-21, and and now he comes back for his second season. You know, Mike, when I, when I look at 3-15, and I guess from the outside, people will say, wow, Stackhouse was not good in his first season, and you're a little more outside than I am, but I, I think he did a pretty fair job a pretty good job which which way do you see it looking at that bad record but being close enough to know what he inherited well I, from the outside looking in I think people thought well you know any uh, improvement whatsoever will be welcome so they did get some you know there was that I think people expected a little bit more because he came in with so much flash and flair uh, an NBA guy had done some decent recruiting, uh, already had, you know, uh, Scotty Pippen's kid there. So I think the expectations were even higher. Well, I know the expectations were even higher than what were met last year, but at the same time, <clears throat> that year before was so miserable that they Vanderbilt fans were looking for fans were looking for any sign of improvement. And they got that in three wins. Of those three wins, Adam, what was the biggest, though? I mean, they didn't really make a big splash. I no, mean, no. They won one early, and then they won uh, They won their last two regular season games. Uh, so you you kind of saw them going into the tournament uh, much better than they were a couple of months earlier. And I guess that, that was sort of the feel that things were starting to turn because they were pretty competitive, I'd say, their last eight to ten games. Uh, obviously, we talked about Garland. Uh, Jerry Stackhouse lost Aaron Neesmith um, in the non-conference play early last season. And, you know, I would have loved to have seen how they would have been had Neesmith played uh, played all the way through the SEC schedule. He was only there at the, at the beginning. And from there, they had to, they had to rely on Saban Lee. Uh, Aaron Neesmith is going to be picked in the draft this year. He left school early will be picked in probably the top 15 picks. Saban Lee also left to enter the NBA draft. At this point, I haven't really seen a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of mock drafts that, that have Saban Lee being picked. Maybe late second round, but probably more likely a free agent. But both of those guys are gone. 
And so, you know, I, I jotted down some questions. I know, uh, Mike, you and I had talked about beforehand. And the first one I had is, will Vandy be better this season than last? And I guess the second, to, the second one to that is, will Vandy be good, if so? Uh, the first one, I think, yes. I think they're going to be better. Despite losing half of what they – the season they had in Neesmith and all Saban Lee, I do think they'll be better. I think Jerry Stackhouse – showed last season he can take some odd pieces some young pieces develop them game plan and find a way to win some games i expect them to have more than than uh than three sec wins uh this season non-conference hasn't been a non-conference schedule hasn't been released yet but it'll include uh a game against UConn december 1st that's in the legends classic and then either byu or usc a couple days later, also in the Legends Classic. But I, I can tell you, the non-conference schedule is going to be fairly light. Uh, some some mid-majors, some winnable games. I mean, the idea there is try to pile up some wins, try to get some confidence, try to develop young players so that when, you know, you've got some kind of momentum, some kind of confidence by the time you get into the SEC schedule because uh, it, it's not going to be easy. Uh, Kentucky's going to be really good as they always are, All almost all newcomers. Tennessee's going to be a young team. Uh, I'm sorry, a, a veteran team. Be a veteran team. Those will be the top two in the preseason. You know, Florida will be good. LSU will be pretty good. Alabama will be talented. Auburn will be good despite losing all the seniors from last year. So, you know, Vandy's just going to try to, you know, move up from out of the cellar where they've been. And I think they've got a chance to do that. The, but they've got a whole lot of questions on that roster that Stackhouse has to get, get answered in that first month. You know, I mean, Mike, do you think three and fifteen in the SEC last year, eleven wins overall? What What do you think Vandy fans should be reasonable wins should be content at getting this year to say things are getting better? Well, you know, if they'll put if if if, if three wins marks improvement for them, then I would think that six would would be even you know would would be the next step <clears throat> personally. Uh, I think you need 10 wins uh, this year to uh, to really start seeing improvement. Stackhouse has got some of his own players now. He should have his system in place. There's some decent players on the on the roster. I, I like Desue. Uh, I thought that uh, he had good uh, good games in the few games that I covered last year. I liked Cleavon Brown. Uh, I thought he was uh, uh, good, and it was a disappointment to see him get hurt. I thought he was dominant. Uh, in games. Of course, Pippen is going to take that next step up. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Max Evans has had flashes. I, I think when you look at that roster, <clears throat> a second year in the system, I think uh, 10 wins, maybe reaching for the stars, but I, I think you could uh, I think you could hope for that. Ten, 10 conference wins is what you're saying. 10 conference wins, yeah. Ooh, yeah, that's that's too rich for no, me. No, let me, let me take that back. Let me say eight. Let me say eight, okay? Yeah, eight and 10 in league play. Yeah, yeah. They could do that in league play. I, I certainly think that'd be – well, Jerry Stackhouse may be the SEC coach of the year if, if he were to do that. But, it, I mean, th- they do have to be better. I, I do think the year of – you know, wow, they ended the losing streak and they did win some games. You know, th- there's only so so far that honeymoon, so to speak, is going to go. Yeah. I, I do think Stackhouse showed last year that he can coach in-game and in-season pretty well. And you heard a lot of opposing coaches in the SEC compliment what Vandy does. 
uh, from a schematic standpoint, their game plans changed drastically each game. It was a little it was harder to prepare for them than Bryce Drew's teams. Um, that that came from that came essentially from SEC coaches saying that. Um, a lot of Andy's players have talked about um, how complex the, uh, the the defense is that Jerry Stackhouse has installed. I, I do think that's probably going to be the strength of this team uh, defense. Jerry Stackhouse is a very defensive defensive minded coach. He does have some guys that can defend on this team. They've got some they've got some holes there also, but I think I think they're going to be good defensively before they're good offensively. You mentioned a few of those returning players. I'll, I'll give you my quick take on who they do have coming back. And, you know, listeners uh, that are Vandy basketball fans listening to this, I know you know the team, but let's let's just kind of get re-engaged with the team. It's been, a, it's been a long time and a long year. Scotty Pippen Jr. that Mike mentioned, he was an all-freshman team selection last year at a really good freshman year. I think he'll only kind of steadily in, improve this year. I mean, he's going to be one of those guys that if you think the last uh, handful of guys that Vandy has had – that were guys that went to the went to the NBA um, in the backcourt. I mean, well, well, let's let's even go back to their last really really good point guard and uh, uh, the last two really good point guards, and that was Saban Lee, who's going to have a chance to get in the league, and Wade Baldwin, who left after his sophomore year. Those were explosive, very athletic guys that looked like they belonged in the NBA. Scottie Pippen, despite being the son of an NBA player doesn't have those physical tools right now. I think he's a guy that's here for four years. He's a four-year starter. And honestly, I mean, to Mike, Mike to me, that that seems to be more of what Vandy had in in past years in the, in the 80s and 90s. Guys that would come in, play well early on, develop. And when they're seniors, you would have a really old, experienced team uh, of guys that knew how to play, and you'd benefit from that veteran veteran leadership and that in that development is, is that pretty accurate about what you think Vandy's teams used to be oh absolutely I, I thought that all season last year was the fact that uh Pippen got to play as much as he did and I would look at him and as you said he's, he's a little frail uh and I look at him and I think you know once he fills out once he gets on the training table and once he starts filling out a little bit and with that experience, you know, that's comparable to a, uh, a good kid starting at quarterback as a freshman, which is the same dynamic you have right now at, at Vanderbilt. Uh, and, it, you know, th- that's fantastic when you find someone who c- you can play as a freshman and he won't hurt you because it's going to be later on down the road. It's going to help you so much. Uh, you saw that at Vanderbilt with back in the day with Frank Secker, with uh, Drew Maddox, with Sam Howard, so many players like that. Kevin Anglin? Uh, Kevin Anglin was Kevin there. Anglin did that, yes. And Kevin, that's going way back. That's going back to Fogler. And, but he, he's the same. And Secker was on that team too. Those are guys that played all four years. Maybe didn't start their freshman year, but they played an awful lot. Uh, I think Pippen played even more than those guys did. And that's huge. Uh, uh, now, in that, you know, that was back in the day when they saw stay, it stayed four years, too. So, you know, you had that, will Pippen stay four years? You know, that's that's the other question. But you know you've got him this year, and you know you got him probably you got him next year, too. Well, and that's why I pointed out why he's not, you know, he's he's got some athletic gifts, but he's not. Uh, he's Right, not, early guy. Yeah, he's not probably a guy that will, will be coming out early. But, you know, guys change a lot over over their college careers, so we'll see that the – 
the governor. I don't think anybody, don't think anybody thought Saban Lee would leave either, though. At the, kind of at the same time. That's true. That's true. Um, <laughs> uh, now, the, you know the the most the guy that I think I could see in the league of the guys that they have on the roster right now, the guy that has the most upside is uh, Dylan DeSue, which you mentioned before. Athletic six nine forward. You know, Vandy fans maybe that didn't know this last year, he had come in with a leg injury from the preseason. He wasn't entirely sure that he would play his freshman year. So he was a you would see more flashes of him in non-conference play. And then once he got into SEC play, you started to see him with some double doubles. You started to see him make some plays uh in the driving the ball into the paint. You saw him make some three-pointers. You saw you saw he had some range defensively. You saw a guy that looked like a four-star, uh, a four-star signing, which is what he was. Now that he's uh, now that he's healthy, and now that he's got another year of gaining some strength, uh, you know, I, I think Desue is the guy that's going to take off. I, I think he's the guy that has some All SEC potential, that has some NBA potential down the road, just because of his length, because of his range. He can shoot, but he's six nine. He has some athleticism. I think that's the guy that's got to make a big jump from last year to this year to make a difference when they get into SEC play. Let me run he should down. be the best guy on the roster, right, by the end of the season? Yes, you. yes, he has to be the best. And, and so where Pippen is their leading scorer of the returning guys, and he statistically is the best, I think Pippen has a lower ceiling. DeSue has right. a higher ceiling. Yeah. Um, and so uh, uh, let, me, let me just run through a few others that uh, of the main guys. We're not going to go all the way through the roster. But you mentioned Cleavon Brown before. Uh, he had an injury uh, last season, just nine games in, ended his year. He was averaging 9.6 rebounds. I'll say that last year there was a thought that I think even within Jerry Stackhouse's coaching staff that they would turn Cleavon Brown from a role player into a double-double guy. And as I mentioned, nine games against non-conference competition, he averaged 9.6 rebounds. I think that's probably what he is. Yeah. And, and I think that's okay. I mean, that's, you know, I, I think you have to be reasonable what Cleavon Brown is. He's a guy that's going to make a couple threes from the corner. He's a guy that's going to pull down some rebounds. He's a guy that I think will defend pretty well. This team needs some, needs some strength, needs a little bit of power defensively in the paint. And we'll get to that in a second. But I think Cleavon Brown can provide that. He, he's coming back with a medical redshirt as a fifth year senior. As long as your expectations are reasonable and tempered with Cleavon Brown, I think he can give you something. I think that coaching staff probably has a better idea of what they have with Cleavon Brown this year. Maybe those expectations are not as, as lofty. They're more reasonable. Adam, is he a guy that's best off the bench? Because that's what he seemed to be to me when, when some other guys would start getting tired and worn out. You bring in a big body like that, and he seemed to be effective in that role. But – I don't know. I don't know the, the lineup as well as you do. But I mean, maybe. Uh, the, the funny thing is, you say off the bench, is that Cleavon Brown would always be kind of counted on to, to make a three in the corner in the first couple minutes of the game. For whatever reason, that was usually set up for him to roll to over to the corner and make a three. And, uh, you know, sometimes he'd have eight points in the first few minutes, and then he'd finish the, the night with ten. <laughs> so I guess they just have to find his rhythm and where he fits in and, and how healthy he is coming back uh, from that injury. Speaking of a guy that can get hot, uh, Max Evans has been a guy that I think a couple years ago, you could have maybe counted him out and say his ceiling, he's hit his ceiling and he just is what he is. And he's a role player. 
I mean, last year he had a couple of games where he looked like one of the best guards in the conference. I don't, I don't think they're going to get that from him on a real consistent basis. He's a streaky shooter, but consistency-wise, he's a very good defender, night in and night out. Not, you know, he is a guy that's going to have a pretty big role in this team. I'll be curious to see if he's, if they think he's a double-digit scorer, or if he's going to kind of fade back into more of a role where. He's, you know, they're going to rely on younger guys to score, and maybe he's more of defender, rebounder, and and those types of things. But Max Evans is a, is a good senior to have on the wing out there, whether he's coming off the bench or or starting. I think his leadership has been pretty good, also. Uh, I thought I thought he benefited more from the coaching change than any other player. Yes, in that uh, he was, as you said, I thought he was going to kind of fade away there uh, under Bryce, but uh, Stackhouse came in and loved his defense, as you've already referenced. It. You know, Jerry's a, a defensive coach, and he's he loved his defense and would start him uh, ahead of some players that were probably more talented last year. Yeah, I think I think Jerry Stackhouse really loves his athleticism, and yeah, he loves the fact that Max Evans, he can put him on on the best perimeter player on the uh, on the opponent and feel like he's going to hold his own. And there's a lot of value in that. I think there's a whole lot of value in that for Stackhouse being a first year coach because he could count on Max Evans, and that's probably going to you know in the non conference play, he's going to know he can count on him, and I think maybe. Stackhouse will look to newer players to see if they have what Max Evans has. And if they don't, Max Evans' minutes are going to be really, really high. And, uh, you know, if they've got a little bit of what he has defensively, then maybe his minutes are trimmed down just a little bit, but but not much. The, the, the second scenario is better for the team, and I think you'd get the best out of Max Evans if he doesn't have to play, you know, 30, 35 minutes. Uh, He's a guy that he had, uh, <clears throat> he had two sisters – who, twin sister, he's a triplet, and uh, his two sisters played volleyball at Tennessee State. And I did a story on the three of them when they first came. Well, the sisters didn't last long at Tennessee State, maybe a year. I don't think they made it long. I think uh, Alabama A&M, if I remember. Yeah, they transferred. And after they transferred, they were all very close. I thought to myself, you know what? Alabama A&M sounds like a good place for Max Evans, too. So I, but, And that was back when, you know, Bryce was still the coach. And he, like we were talking about, he's starting to fade. And I was thinking, you know, he will follow them down there. And then when Stackhouse came in, I was really happy to see him embrace Max Evans. And I'm glad that Max was able to stay at Vanderbilt and he's going to have the kind of career that he's going to have. Yeah, if you want any updates on Max Evans or his sisters, Team Evans on Twitter is who you <laughs> follow. That's his dad, who had some health health scares but uh, recovered pretty well um, this past year. I got a similar somewhat to Max Evans, maybe not as – as far as, well, he's fairly athletic, not as athletic as Max Evans, but Jordan Wright is a similar body type, kind of that 6'5", thick, can play the wing, can also kind of drop down into the paint some, has a possibility of maybe turning into a pretty good physical defender. We'll see about that. That's, a, that's Jordan Wright. Last year, he was the the obvious third guy of those three freshmen, Pippen Sue and then Wright, but I feel like he's going to be a guy that either rises up and takes a pretty big role in this team, or he's going to fade back with a new crop of freshmen coming in. He, it's really a fork in the road uh, season, I think, for Jordan Wright. I don't, I don't mean to put pressure on a guy that's only been on campus for a little over a year, but you know, when the when the new crop comes in, that you you know you've got to win your position. And so I, I could see him as a starter. I could see him as the tenth guy 
in the rotation, uh, probably somewhere in between those two. But, you know, he, he's he's got to bring some type of uh, something different to this team, maybe that some other guys don't uh, don't have. I, I do think he's got to be a better shooter, a better scorer. They can't have guys out there on the perimeter who can't shoot. And so Jordan Wright, I think, has got to, got to add that to his game. And I'm sure he spent the offseason on it. Uh, one, one more guy of the returning players I mentioned is uh, Eduke Obina, 6'10 center. Vandy fans know know him well enough now after how long he's been on campus. He's a big body. You know, at times he's given them a rebounding presence. At times he's been a shot blocker. At times he's been a guy that get a couple of dunks and, you know, give them eight, 10 games and in, in eight, 10 points in a game. But I will say for all that Obina gives them, if he's their number one threat in the paint and there's not a clear cut number two, I think Vandy's got problems. That's nothing, nothing against educate, but they've got to have more than just him in the paint. I think Cleavon Brown has got to give them a lot in the paint. They've got to have newcomers give them something in the paint. DeSue may be a guy with a little thicker body this year that's going to have to play pretty tough defensively in the paint. So, you know, Vandy is at its best if Educa Obina is a role player who has a, a finite number of minutes and can kind of just grow into that role that he has. He's been on campus long enough. I think we kind of know what his best is and what his worst is. And if they get his best, then you've got to get the best of other guys in there. And, and that's got to come probably as much as anything from newcomers and Cleavon Brown. Speaking of newcomers, so let's go through those real quick. Uh, this is going to be ones that Vandy fans are not going to know quite as well. Have not seen a practice yet. It's closed up for COVID right now, but have talked to Jerry Stackhouse on our Zoom calls just a little bit and gotten an update on these guys. As vague as that is, I'll, I'll try my best to run through these. Technically, Vandy has three transfers. One of them is Isaac McBride, who's a freshman, so I'm going to count him more as in the freshman class. He came from Kansas uh, but he, he he never he was not on campus there during the basketball season. Never played, so you can count kind of count him as more or less a redshirt freshman. Let, let's talk about the other two transfers first. Notre Dame transfer DJ Harvey, six six guard. He can score. Um, he was a he was a starter at Notre Dame. Uh, can be a double digit scorer for them. Rice transfer Quentin Malora Brown. He started at times as a freshman or he did start as a freshman at, at Rice, 6'10", forward, center, post player. Uh, he's a good shot blocker in Conference USA, and so they're going to need him. They're really going to need him to be what they would like Obina to be or maybe to be a compliment to him. I think if Vandy is at its best, maybe Melora Brown is the starter at the five position at center and maybe make him a little bit interchangeable with Educa Obina. Again, I think they've got to have more than one guy in there. And that's not going to show up as much in in non-conference play. That's something that's got to be developed in non-conference play to pay off in the SEC. Because the SEC will obviously have more size, more strength in the paint. And so, and, and I, I tend to say this, usually in non-conference play, things can be deceiving with big men. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're playing SWAC teams, nothing against the SWAC, but if you're playing SWAC teams – and you're a 6'10 guy, and you're getting, you know, 12 points and eight rebounds, that's not necessarily numbers that are going to hold in the SEC. Uh, sometimes that translates to, you know, eight points and six rebounds in the SEC. Sometimes that means you're swallowed up in the SEC, and you just you can't compete physically. Uh, Melora Brown will have to wait and see if he can compete physically. Educa Obina can, can give you something. 
but they need Melora Brown to be a, a guy that they can count on, at least as a shot blocker and defender, not necessarily points, but um, he's, he's going to be a, a fork in the road guy also. I think, I think we're going to know this season, whether or not he can give them something long-term uh, DJ Harvey, the Notre Dame transfer, uh, he's got to be a double-digit scorer for Vandy. He's a guy that can kind of be in different places in the lineup. You know, I mentioned Max Evans before. That guy that's got good size for a guard can also play kind of the three position. You know, DJ Harvey can do the same. He can play the two. He can play the three. If they want to go small and run, he could even drop down to the four, I think, maybe. He's, you know, he's sort of a tweener. But he technically is a guard, and he he could give he could give them a big presence at guard. If they wanted to go big, he can play the two, the shooting guard. You can have you can have Dylan Dessou as a as a three man, a small forward at six nine, and Cleavon Brown can be your four man, and one of those other guys, Obina Malora Brown, can be your five. If you do that, then then you've got six six or taller at four positions, and that's obviously something I'm sure that Jerry Stackhouse is going to try out small and run or big and physical and be able to have those options in SEC play. I, I, you know, Harvey and Melora Brown's got, got to give them quite a bit though. They were, they were not brought here as transfers to be guys that would just be very small role players. I think they got to be starters or guys that play like starters, even if they're coming off the bench. That's what I was going to ask you was, <clears throat> it didn't seem like Stackhouse is going to be a guy that's just going to bring in transfers to, to bring in transfers to add his depth. He wants to make a, a, an impact. And uh, from everything you've said about those two guys in particular, that's what it looks like they're going to be. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it's funny that I think fans and even media at times can kind of get, kind of look at transfers in different ways. Um, you know, I, I've always said the joke for years that, the best player on the team is always the guy that's sitting out. Yeah. You know, coaches are always, well, you know, if that guy, I mean, at practice, that guy dominates. So next year, yeah, next year when he's eligible, boy, he's going to be our best player. And then, you know, and the guy comes out and averages six points a game and you say, coach, what happened? I thought he was a really good practice player. Um, you know, that, that's, uh, the, the, you know, that, that's one way of looking at it that where fans and media can be overly optimistic and think the guy that transferring is going to be a difference maker. The other side of that, which I think maybe some Vandy fans probably have more so of, is the pessimistic look at it because of the guys that have been at Vandy the last few years. I had a story in the Tennessee in a couple of days ago that, that, you know, sort of looked at some things that uh, are gonna gonna be X factors for Stackhouse the second season. And one of them I listed, you know, like five or six transfers that have been here the last oh three four years. And most of them, most of them were role players, single digit scores, but didn't really make that much of a difference in the lineup. And so I think there's some there's some exit wounds there for Vandy fans about what a transfer is. I think Vandy fans probably look more at transfers and say, eh, I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, and that's sort of how I am. DJ Harvey played really well at Notre Dame, uh, but then he left. So let's see if he's a role player or if he's a difference-making player in the SEC. Quentin Melora Brown has some size. Uh, you know, a lot of people in the SEC have size. Let's see if he can compete or if he gets swallowed up. And he's a younger guy, too, so that may t- take a little more time. Uh, the other technical transfer, I mentioned Isaac McBride from Kansas, is now eligible. Point guard, 
could be a play a combo guard with with Scotty Pippen, but point guard, he's a guy that could be uh, Pippen's backup. There's a couple of options there with the freshman, but um, I'll be interested to see what he can give them because um, they don't they're not going to ask a lot from him, but um, he's a guy that could fill that role and play alongside Pippen or behind him. The other two freshmen, well, they, they've got they've got five freshmen, but the other two, I think they have the best chance to play are Tyron Lawrence, uh, 6'4 guard. He was a three-star, four-star, depending on which uh, publication you look at. And then freshman Miles Stute, um, he's a 6'7 small forward, a uh, guy that played in the paint a lot in uh, in high school, but has some athleticism to play on the on the perimeter. He may be a guy that's sort of a Dylan DeSue, uh, a little smaller, but a guy that's athletic but has some size. Um, and a little bit of handle. We'll see if he's got enough handle to play well at this level early on. So, and they've got two other freshmen. I think that probably won't factor as much in into into this season. But between Stute, Lawrence, McBride, that's a point guard, a combo guard, and a forward. I think between those three, I think the goal's got to be finding one of those guys that looks like a future standout. You know, Pippen and Sue and, and Wright all contributed as freshmen. Pippen was really good. Sue by the end of the year, was pretty good. And Wright was a role player. I think they've got – one of these three guys have to be either a role player or a guy that showed Dylan Sue type flashes where you say in time that's going to be a, a starter and a star. You mentioned the uh... – <clears throat> the three transfers, if you consider McBride a transfer. Uh, and the, another question people always have is why these guys left where they left. Usually if you see a guy that has come from the Mac or somewhere else, uh, uh, the uh, the assumption is that he ended up being better than anybody thought he was going to be. And he, you know, got an opportunity at a bigger school. So that's why he transferred. It can't really be said for these guys. I mean, why would a guy leave a Notre Dame? Why would a guy leave a Rice? What do you know about their backstories? Yeah, and I don't, I don't, I've talked to Harvey once. And to be honest with you, off the top of my head, I don't remember all the reasons. Yeah, you know, a lot of times it's coaching changes. A lot of times it's you graduate, you're a graduate transfer. Neither one of those guys is this. Melora Brown was in Conference USA. So, you know, you're stepping up for Conference USA to the SEC. Harvey, off the top of my head, I don't remember, but it's, it's a lot more common right now for D1 transfers to jump around uh if your playing time dwindles you can certainly look at uh look an opportunity elsewhere but you know in what i said before about the freshmen giving them something i think you have to kind of connect that to the transfers so if harvey is a double digit score and play starter minutes and melora brown is a good shot blocker starter or gives them starter minutes. I think you can kind of, you know, uh, dial it back a little bit on what you have to get out of those freshmen. Maybe you're just looking for one of those guys to be heavy contributors and, and the rest of the guys, you know, after you get out of non-conference play, their minutes dwindle in the SEC. On the other hand, you know, if Harvey and Melora Brown are solid or one of them's a hit and one of them's a miss, then you probably have to go more to those freshmen uh, you know, to make sure you get a rotation of at least eight, nine guys. Um, it's, you know, this, this is an interesting time for Stackhouse and for this program because he took over guys last year, most of which he necessarily didn't sign a recruit, and he turned them into a 
team that had some of their better players were in the in the freshman class, and now he's got a new freshman class that he he recruited. So, are you leaning a little bit on those older guys, Cleavon Brown and Edge Obina and Max Evans, or do you say, hey, I developed freshmen last year and I've got some new ones in. Let's make this a freshman sophomore team, and uh, and you know that'll show up in non conference play. By the time they get to the SEC, which is the end of December, we'll know if this is either a Pippen slash DeSue slash freshman led team, or we'll know if this is a Pippen DeSue, Max Evans, Cleavon Brown, DJ Harvey type team where you're saying we'll develop the young guys, but but the returning guys and the transfers and the older guys, that's what's going to kind of lead us to wins in the SEC. And so out of that, I think you could have a better idea of if they were a team that could maybe win something like eight games, which you mentioned on the, earlier in the podcast, or if they're a team that's still looking to the future. I, I do think you got to show people something. And the better your younger players are, uh, the more optimism there is. And that's why there was some optimism leaving last year, because two of the best players were in the freshman class. Well, uh, you know, uh, maybe I did go out on a limb predicting or saying that, that eight it would take eight wins to uh, – I'm not – predicting by any stretch, but saying that eight wins would be what it would take to make Vanderbilt fans happy. But after hearing what you had to say, uh, you know, about this team and, and about the uh, the newcomers, I, I think that eight wins is, you know, I'm not going to say uh, – uh, I'm just going to say a possibility is what I would say, I think. Well, and I mean, like I mentioned before, um, you know, Kentucky will be really good because they always are. Um, Tennessee is going to be really good. I think Tennessee may be better than Kentucky this year for what they have mm-hmm. coming back. But LSU, Florida, Alabama, Auburn, I mean, that's what is – I just named six teams. So you've got seven more teams plus Vandy. I think Vandy is competing probably not in, not out with the bottom half of the SEC where you're going to have very competitive games and maybe you can pick off a couple in uh, in that that – top half I, I do think Vandy's got to be competitive and what I can say of the last month of the season last year Vandy was competitive you it was it was not unreasonable to say that that a lot of their games in the last month of the season were coin flip games and they won two or three of those and got close to about two or three more so but different season different players different challenges different opponents so we'll see how that goes I, I, I will say I think Vandy fans have more to look forward to in basketball season than they do football. We'll probably get back to football uh, next week. So that do we does have it. To? Do we have to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. We do, Mike. We do. We do. Right, let me check my schedule for next Tuesday, and I'll get back with you. Okay. Hey, maybe they'll beat Kentucky, and we'll talk. Yeah. We'll talk. <laughs> Win over Kentucky next week. It could. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, nearly beat Mississippi State. So. Yeah. Mississippi yeah. State though is the is the worst team on their schedule. I can I can say that Mississippi State's got some major major issues, and not uh, COVID. They 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 were so worn out from playing Vandy that uh, they didn't even not even go play this week. Yeah, yeah, that was COVID one bad football. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, whoever Vandy plays always ends up with a COVID outbreak after that, or Vandy has a COVID outbreak after going on the road. There's I'm not smart enough to put all that all that together, but uh, but Vandy so far this week uh, playing Kentucky and no no signs of a COVID outbreak, thankfully. 
That does it for this edition of Breaking Down the Doors. We hope you'll subscribe to Tennessean.com if you haven't already. And remember to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. And drop us a review and a rating while you're at it. For Mike Organ, I'm Adam Sparks. Thanks for listening.